Hello and welcome. This is season three of The Road Provides, a travel podcast for the next generation of travelers, adventurers, and vagabonds. I'm your host, Bradford Clement. Joining me as always is my co-host in Denver, Nate Sundermeyer, a.k.a. The Rocky Mountain Rocket. (laughs) We're back this week with some love-hate hot takes and a veritable mountain of travel regrets. So strap in, kids. This is The Road Provides. Rocket man, burning up your fuse up there alone. (laughs) It's the singing travel podcast. Blast off, baby. Blast off, baby. Again, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode and another season. I'm already sweating and this podcast hasn't even started. <laughs> I've, well, got, for, for, I've got dueling laptops in a closet right now and they're churning out maximum heat. And they're like 2008 MacBooks, which means its heat <laughs> control is pretty much squandered. I am half inside, half outside the closet. I've turned off the the uh, the furnace for sound reasons, and so I feel like as I heat up in this podcast, the temp's going to correspondingly drop in my room, okay. and I'm going to be good to go. Okay. I think I've, I might have just absolutely cracked it. Do I wish I was wearing my Uggs? Yeah, Nate my feet is, are already getting a little bit cold. <laughs> Nate is also juggling a... Uh... <laughs> A self-medication concoction. He's peeking on black tea right now. And then he has melatonin on his desk that as soon as we hit minute 60, he's popping two melatonins so he can drop back down and climb into bed. This podcast has really got me into this negative spiral, huh? Uh, yeah, black tea and melatonin combined just sound uh, sound worse. But how are things over, over there on your end there, Brad? Man, I'm pretty good. Um you said it was six degrees in Denver. We kind of had like spring fantasies because last week it rained. It got over 40 degrees for a while. Things started melting. I saw my lawn for the first time in two months. It's just been like a frozen white wasteland in Whitefish mm-hmm. for a while. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about the prospect of sun. But, if, of course, it was like same thing, like zero degrees today. So, you know, we're not there yet. But spring break tourists are coming into town. There's new energy. There's hope for a brighter warmer future and uh and that's kind of where i'm at i'm um i'm here podcasting still doing some creative stuff with uh this t-shirt company i'm trying to start something food related so i've got a lot of irons in the fire but um, hopefully you don't mix food and t-shirts that sounds like a deadly combo actually i was trying to cross market pollinate breed enhance enhance I don't know how that's going to work. I've never done this before. So, um, yeah, being a business, kind of first-time business owner, business business start is kind of where I'm at. So a lot of learning, a lot of growth, but I'm excited. And, um, yeah, I think I think that's about it. I'm still single, still more Whoa, or less kind of broke. Nice. And uh, I think feel like that goes hand in hand. So I think you probably, maybe if you're going to mention you're single, you probably shouldn't mention the latter half of that. But uh... But have you met my dog yet? She's yeah. fucking awesome. I'll let you pet her. <laughs> um, anyway, what's the what's the haps in Denver? What's the haps in your world? You just got back from a trip, and you're about to go on to another trip. Yeah, Nate's March sandwich is, is hectic right now. Three Mar- three trips to Arizona in March this weekend. What? You didn't tell me that. Yeah, it's what's uh, worthy Phoenix. going. What's worthy going to Arizona three times in a month for? Uh, Phoenix for a music festival, Tucson for a wedding, and then I'm driving with Jess, my girlfriend, to uh, Lake Havasu for a week. Um, Sue, do people call it the Sue? I don't know. I've never been. So you know, being an Arizona native, I've never been. But you know what? Wait, I think is that's it ca- is it called Spring Break too? It might be. I don't know. I think like we might have, have a, a little... Sue with with the Wait, girlfriend's with parents, girlfriend's mom. Yeah. College <laughs> Spring Break. What? Uh, it's gonna be mayhem, but um, it's gonna be sixty degrees this weekend. In between some showings, um, I'm probably going to rollerblade. That's kind of my goal. Maybe Wait, get on the so wrapper. Two things. You're going from six degrees to sixty degrees in two days. Look at cr- climate change is is is, an, is a wild wild woman. Okay. Second thing, you said you might get on the brapper. What are you rocking with? What's the braps? Is this still that uh, shit ass dirt bike road thing that you yeah, got? Yeah, you last saw in Montana. Year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I have. The tires are nearly completely flat, but you know I live. I well, it's right next to a Le Schwab tire, so I'm pretty much sorted. But dude, Le um, Schwab. 
is not a fan of this podcast. They are not a friend of the pod. <laughs> Les Schwab rips me off every time I walk in there for some tires, dude. I was going to say, as I say, it sounds like he has a whole opinion. I do. Um, well, speaking of, before we get you too hot on that, I think we should get too hot on... Uh, we should get started with some hot takes, some travel takes. And for those who don't know, travel takes are essentially stances from us two yahoos that will probably make you ask, are these two guys unhinged? Or maybe you're wild enough to say, my guy, he's spot on. Either way, these are unconventional takes under the travel umbrella. What do you have for me this week, Brad? What's got you jacked up? Um, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think a lot of us think it. Your photos suck. That's it. You don't need to carry this big-ass camera. It's pretty simple this week. It's not, uh, it's not a fucking rapper's medallion. You're not Little Yachty with a fucking Nikon around your neck. If you want that kind of attention, just get a boob job. Buy a Mustang. Get a face tattoo. But you don't need to bring your attention whoring to Sunset at Yosemite or the streets of Florence. You're ruining it for the rest of us. Just because you have a big fucking camera and even worse, a tripod doesn't mean you get to stand at the best spot at the best location, hogging up time and space just so your five friends who care can see the photos later. And I think this is the important bit here. These people aren't hobbyists. My uncle is a sick hobbyist photographer, but he's out there at like 5 a.m. in the dark setting up for one shot. These people are like the tourists pull out, you know what I mean? With like a thousand other people with their little tripod stick and their camera just like standing in front of everybody. So what I'm saying is point, click, shoot, and keep it moving so the rest of us can take in the scenery. That's my hot take. Wow. I have a, I have a few opinions. I have, I have purchased uh, two um, prints of photography travel. One's from South Africa. One is from Vietnam. And I love them. If, I, if I'm, I'm paying money, I'm getting them framed, I'm driving up to Hard Vada to get... Great. And that's what, and that's what 95% of other people should do. They should buy prints of, of photos taken by real photographers. But I don't know. Maybe at some point, these same people that took these pictures that I love also have been standing in the way. But maybe at the same time, Brad. I doubt it. Maybe you should let these people have it. No. If you're, no, I'm not letting them have it. If you're going to go all this way and spend all this money, and that's what gets you off, example, everyone has different hobbies and shit. I want to go do XYZ things abroad. I want to ride scooters. I want to play soccer. I want to, you know, go have a few frothies. If those are the things I want to be spending my time doing, why are we why are we shitting on the guy who's doing because, the thing? Because there are places and spaces to do those things. First you of all, sit I in think... a bar. You can go play soccer on a soccer field. You can go surf. You can do all your activities when you want to do them. So where this really got me, we were at God damn it, Cannon Beach, Oregon, right? Mm. And yeah, yeah. it's the Goonies Beach with the rock, yeah. and it's like this incredible, like the sunsets in between the rocks, and it shoots these fucking spectrum of light. It's awesome. And then there was this there was this line of like twenty people that it that it just staked out like it was. Like it was a fucking basketball game and they were on the sidelines like shooting Kobe Bryant or something like that. And they just like set up a perimeter and they were like, we're not moving. And they were there, Nate, for an hour. And at one point I was like, all right, this is enough, you know? Mm -hmm. And I stepped in front of them. I kneeled down. I took my sunset photo and then I walked away, right? And I did bink, 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 bink. And then I jumped out. And I looked around and somebody was giving me stank eye. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how many pictures do you fucking need? They were there for 45 minutes in the same place, taking the same frame as the sun just moved down. Like, it's and the it's, same. And it's also, when you talk about that, then then you say, you know what? If you're one of those people, you're sacrificing this amazing sunset to be shoulder to shoulder with other people. Basically, it's a pissing contest with who has the most expensive lens. Talking, you're looking through the lens, you're not actually enjoying the sunset, and you probably can't even hear anything because you're click, 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 click. This scene exists everywhere, and the, the, the greater offense to me is like when you're at a beautiful location, let's say in Rome or Florence or Thailand or something, and the horde goes from five to 10 to 50 to a hundred, right? And it becomes like a turnstile of people just 
clicking through and standing there and what turned into just monumental amazing sight or view is just like and then it's it feels like people are like oh well if they're doing it we must do it too and then that creates yeah. the cultural and fad of just basically kind of ruin the limiting mentality yeah. everybody follows everybody and then yeah you know, I, I guess maybe the counter didn't here you, is... Didn't, did you ever travel with a camera? I thought you traveled with a camera back in the day. Yeah, I traveled with a big-ass camera, but I don't fucking do that. Oh, so how are you immune to this chat here? I click, you don't, and, I you, click, you and, click go. and go. I click yeah. and go. Like, I know my lane. I know my status. I'm a fucking amateur-ass photographer. I'm just picturing you kicking down doors in, like, Prague, like you're Liam Neeson. Just being like, <laughs> click and go, click and go. Well, if you want to, you know, and if you want to post up, like, get off the path. And I guess that's, mm -hmm. like, the kickback here. Like, what advice? Like, what are they supposed to do, Brad? Um, go somewhere else. Fucking walk around or go early or do something. Like, and again, yeah. I feel like the real OGs, like, they're scouting. They're there early. They're, they're there the ones late. That are like, yeah, sunrise. They're, or, you know, yeah. they're doing stuff that nobody else has the commitment to do. And so... Well, I appreciate get that, and I think get over I, yourselves and your big fucking cameras. <laughs> yeah, and catch Brad smoke. Um, <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot here. Uh, maybe it's a bit more optimistic. I'm gonna build up that a group. Was, that was the hate uh, portion, and you're coming with the love. I said this yeah, is exactly. the love need, and hate. Uh, yeah, and so I'm gonna I'm just gonna come out here and say it. Open your hearts. That actually, now that after you say that, <laughs> oh, fuck, I can't believe I started with that. All right. Open your hearts and your ears to the elders on the road. Put yourself in the position to interact with these guys and let it ride. Who are these people? I'm talking 75 plus. You look at them and you say, these people have lived a life already. You know what I'm saying? If that's too hard, say, if they were American, could they be our president? That's how old I'm talking. <laughs> in the, the, just the kind of the two big reasons I'm, I'm saying here in the travel commons for young travelers, i.e. bars, hostels, tourist hotspots, where you're going to meet other young people, do you really want to have another basic conversation? Who are you? Where are you from? Where are you going? How long are you on the road for? We've had those conversations again and again and again. Or do you want some meat? Do you want some juice? Do you want some wild curveballs to knock your fucking socks off? These old timers don't mess around. And they've had enough small talk in their life. They're sick of it. Yeah. They want to get down to the nitty gritty. And they don't have any filters all the time. So you do not know what kind of wild shit you're going to be getting yourself into. Secondly, you're not only going to hear stories of places you have or haven't been to before, you're going to hear about them in a different time. You're unlocking a whole new era of a place. Yeah, some other 20-year-old jaunt Ibiza might be interesting, but what about hearing about how shit went down in the 60s and 70s? Different gravy. What I'm trying to say is new look sauce. out for these opportunities <laughs> to get that sauce and to bump shoulders with these oracles. Lend them your ears, Brad. What are you feeling on this? I'm all over this. I love that. I love the way you presented it too. You know who I love? I love kids and I love really old people. Do you know why? They're the end of the bell curve. <laughs> yeah. And the world is so new for kids, right? And the world is so fucking old for old people. There's no pretension at all. No, yeah. They both have lost them. The kids are too young to know any better. To have and, any. And, and the old people have seen it all. They just don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. So to your point, that's who you want to hear the truth from, right? That's who you yeah. want to hear what's going on in a place because they don't have shit to lose. Yeah. Right, they're they're looking at the clock, and and time is almost up. Who, what kind of ego are they holding on to anymore? They're not. Well, yeah. And I think I, I, the whole kind of inspiration for this is I, you know, I talked to you, and I had driven, or ridden my motorcycle like four days south without basically talking with anyone, and then I stayed at a hostel in the south of Portugal in Lagos, and I said, hell yeah, I'm gonna interact with some people, chat with some people, and I just started talking to like 18, 19, 20 year olds, and I was like. Fuck no. Then I talked to people who were running the hostel. I was like, these are the same conversations I've had. You know, I this isn't for it for me. So I went out to watch a soccer game, and there's this table of four English people that kind of lived in live in Portugal. And we had the most amazing conversation. There wasn't anything about it. was kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah, okay, cool. Let's talk about fucking Uzbekistan in 1996, right after the Soviet Union collapsed. And I was like, holy, holy shit. shit. <laughs> you know, yes, you're, it's, tell you're like, yes, that it, it just was way more juicy, way more interesting. People had opinions, not like, you know, I, I think that was just kind of like a really strict contra contrast. And yeah, I've had numerous times where I've kind of like had these conversations with, uh, you know, older people and you just hear, I don't know, just, it, it's way more interesting to me. And I think and if I you think can kind of mix them in and sprinkle them in, you're going to get, it's just going to be the fabric of our lives. 
it's that just wasn't a, the right way to put I, that, but I think you were you were getting onto it too. In the the hot take, it's just a perspective in the depth. Yeah, sure. Like take what our peers have to say, right? But add another fucking layer, right? Get some yeah. depth. Get some depth into it. And the perspective a eighty year old has, like every, everybody now thinks, like the sky's falling. Oh my god, the fucking pandemic. I was like, dude, somebody who's eighty, bro, nuclear holocaust. Like they were yeah. going to school, like when like shit was segregated. Still, like these guys have been through a lot. And if you're in Europe or shit, Southeast Asia, anywhere, basically there was war and conflict largely across every continent. So they probably yeah. lived through some shit. Imagine them putting that kind of knowledge on your plate when you're traveling through a place. Boy, boy, that'll just like re recalibrate everything for you. Well, and I think if you can pick up kind of the things they're saying too, especially, I mean, on, it is on the small talk end of things, but like in New Zealand, they'd be like, oh, you think this summer's hot? Well, the summer of 67 was a lot worse. And I just started saying shit like that. And people are like, <laughs> all right, this guy's like, you know, it, it was it was good chat basically because it's like, this guy's clearly way too young and he's American. He has no fucking idea what he's talking about. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a positive thing to look out for. And um, yeah, I actually kissed an old woman on the cheek once. Sorry, what's up? <laughs> And you have a picture to prove it, guys. I don't know yeah, where yeah, we'll put yeah. the, maybe we'll put it on Instagram, but he literally sent the picture to me just to prove it. And I was like, Yeah, that she is old. And those Let's are your talk lips. and kiss old people. <laughs> We've talked about travel karma and like giving. Mm -hmm. And I think a cool part of this to like really get into like the love here and in you know, we make so many jokes about this stuff, but like giving your ear and like listening. Yeah. I was in Florence. I was at a at this like viewpoint across the river with my big fucking camera. And uh and I was just standing there and this dude, this guy was old as man. And he just came up, started talking to me Italian. I didn't speak fucking Italian. And he eventually he found that out and he just kept talking to me. And I at one point I was just like, fuck it. And just like See? let <laughs> I just let him run it. Who knows yeah. how many like where his kids were or who he has to talk to yeah. or, or whatever. How many, like, when's the last time you've seen an 80 year old, Nate, that wasn't your immediate family, mm. right? Give your ear and let somebody share who they are, even if you don't yeah. understand them and just let them tell their stories. And maybe it resonates, maybe it doesn't, but just kind of be, be somebody who, who's there for somebody on the road. I think it's a real cool place to stand. So these hot, these travel takes really reminiscent of uh, my favorite R&B and rap song from 2004, Hate or Love It by The Game, featuring 50 Cent. So yeah, let's move on to that meat. What's in the middle? What's going on with this podcast? What about this travel regret, Brad? This week, we're going to dig deep into our travel wheelhouse, and we're going to take a look at our Mount Rushmore of travel regrets. Nate needed a therapy session, but too cheap to book an appointment. So we're just going to give it to him here, guys. We're just going to listen to him. Speaking of listening, let's uncover some of our monumental stories that'll make you laugh and hopefully make Nate cry. So let's get to it. Nate, let's start you off here. What is your Abe Lincoln of travel regrets? If we're looking at the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it's just two guys talking in closets. That's not my regret, but that's the headspace I'm in to create this kind of safe space. My Abe Lincoln of regret of on my Mount Rushmore is I regret not getting that tattoo. Brad, this is one of the few stories on the pod where you were there. I was. And I mentioned, I, I, talked, I was talking about this, and you actually don't remember some of these details, which no. blows my mind because I was like, this was a nitrous. I was probably hitting a nitrous balloon or <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was a couple buckets and 10 shots deep. So we were, uh, this was day, I had left the United States. This was my first big travel. I had left and we flew into Hanoi. And then two days later, we spent two nights, three days on this party cruise and that's where I met Brad. Hanoi, Vietnam. We're in Vietnam, people. Yeah. And, and Halong Bay. So we come back. It's on Halloween. We get in at about seven. It's and Halloween eight o'clock. Halloween night. And there's a costume competition. And there's about 70 to 80 to 90 people in this bar on top of this roof. And I didn't have a costume, but I did what every American would did and kind of decided to take the piss. I and put improvise. my Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I improvised. I put my Hawaiian shirt around my belly button. I put cat whiskers on and I said... I'm a slutty cat. So I go up to the guy and I said, I'm entering the costume company. He's like, dude, you don't have a costume. I said, no, no, no. Like, let me in. I said, he's like, you don't have a costume. And it, I said the most American thing I've ever said in my life. I said, if you let me in this thing, I'm going to win it. Which is, again, I'm f four days, five days off of being in the States. So I'm really feeling it. 
So he's full, I get Nate, in there. He's full Nate at this point. Full, full Nate American. And so there was eight or 10 guys I became friends with, including Brad, Frank, Tomas, these guys I did the Bongo Rally with um, that I ended up riding the motorcycle with. So I had enough friends there to get me through to the final round. So they're like, oh, always what about, important to what about Slutty Cat? And they're like, yeah, Slutty Cat. So they're yelling. And so then um, I get to the final round and it's me, two Germans dressed up as grapes, and then two French girls who are police officers. And they said, the final round is a dance. And so they said, okay, uh, what song are you going to dance to? I froze and then I was like, a god came to me and I said, R. Kelly remix to Ignition. This was pre- R. Kelly being bad. So I get up there. Divine intervention, if you will. And at this point, (laughs) I'd skated by on my friends, but I... I absolutely rocked it. I did a strip tease to R. Kelly, and then everyone in the bar was like, slutty cat, slutty cat. And so I won, and the prize was a one million dong voucher to a tattoo parlor around the corner. How much? One million dong, which is about 45 <laughs> US dollars at the time. That's enough to get a pretty good tattoo in that neck of the woods. So I... In the next 36 hours, I was about to leave. We we're about to leave Hanoi. So I had 36 hours to buy a motorcycle and use this voucher. And so what ended up happening is I called my parents. I called my sister, my friends, everyone who kind of had input. And I said, I got this tattoo voucher. Should I get a tattoo? Should it be something meaningful? Should I get a cat on my ass? What should I do? And my sister said, hell yeah. My dad's like, you don't want those Vietnamese needles. <laughs> and so I, uh, yeah, I just completely had all these different voices. I had to buy a motorcycle. And so I finally said, I can't leave the United States, buy a motorcycle and get a tattoo within five days. That's fucking trying way too hard. I'm pushing the envelope too hard, but I regret not getting the tattoo. And I think why I regret this is I was too attached who I thought I was. I mean, I was just coming out of DC and like the career thing and whatnot. And I was like, I don't know if I want a tattoo. This is, this is when the therapy kicks in, by the way. People. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and leave a value of this. Unpack this. It's not about the tattoo. It was about making my own decisions, not taking myself too seriously, and having the confidence to chart my own path. I had one million dongs sitting there waiting for me in the form of the needle, and I chose to cower. So yeah, I regret not getting a tattoo and all that personal package that comes with it. You buzzed through that really quick. It sounds like you did a lot of therapy. You did a lot of work on yourself at home. You know, well, if we were, before if we you came to, get to the into it, I feel like any good therapist, Brad, really asked the follow up questions, which I, <laughs> I really am banking on. Uh, no, I'm with you. It, this feels like a watershed travel moment. Mm. And, and I must, like, let's go back a little bit. One, can you imagine, listeners, can you imagine, like, this is Nate's inaugural, like, this is his first trip ever abroad by himself. And he comes out of the gate with slutty cat <laughs> and a costume contest at fucking Halloween in Hanoi. Like, whoa! I mean, Nate, I don't know if you pat yourself on the back that often, but I'm, you know, yeah. it's a little podcast here for you right now. I just, I feel so happy for that. That's when, that you that's when Brad said he, th- this guy's got potential. I was like, let's ride. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to get that out of the way. You said it. And I don't want to dissect this too much because you were in your 20s, early 20s. And you're, you know, first trip away from home, like, yeah, get a fucking random tattoo in Vietnam, like $45 worth. (laughs) I don't don't know many people listening that would be like, God, you know, that's a tough one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Are you still chewing on that? (laughs) So I'm not going to be like too heavy on you about it, but I, I think the decision, and you mentioned the decision boils down to is like, you're out of college, you're on the road, alone, as an adult, for the first time in your life, you're free. And this is one of your first, like, big decisions. I think what I, like, where I'm, like, was needling you in, in pre-pod talks was, is you didn't make the decision yourself, mm. right? You, yeah. you, uh, uh, who wants to be a millionaire phoned a friend, you phoned the fam and, like, and had some you know, some guidance and some counseling and some help. And I think that's the lesson, right? Yeah. Where you weren't confident enough to say, yeah, this is something I want to do. or This is something I didn't want to do. You let your, your folks and and family like justly, I don't think it was wrong to get counsel from them, but certainly do you need their help now to make that kind of decision? No, I, you know, and I still don't have a tattoo, which is the craziest thing. Cause I'm like, I regret not doing that there. But I think it's because it was it would have well, been a better not, story. It's not about the tattoo then. It's not about the tattoo, but it's about that that, that opportunity that moment presented and me not taking it. Yep. And I think 
as I've gotten older making, and wiser, you get further and further away into like making your own decisions and feeling that confidence. But I think, you know, then I think as, especially as I said, it was like, I was about to embark South like 25 days on a motorcycle and I hardly knew how to ride a motorcycle. I had bigger fish to fry than getting a tattoo on my ass. Yeah, and then caring for, but let's go back to this tattoo and what it should have been and where it should have been. And I absolutely think it should have been on your ass. And I also think it should have been of a cat. I feel yeah, like which I, I don't even like cats, which is like, yeah, the, the, but it just still is funny. If, um, if I knew you well enough, I would have been like, hello, kitty. Just <laughs> yeah. Hello, kitty on your ass. Or just meow. Um, yes. Anything like that. See, now we're fucking. Yeah, this is with, the real trade of process. Bro, here, this yeah. is what we're talking about. Yeah. God um, damn it. Now, I, now it's about the tattoo. Well, but yeah. What, I, I, well, I, hopefully I can go back and get one. That's the kind of... No, the, oh. and so this is the bullshit, listeners, that he didn't tell you, is he still had that voucher, and he went back to Hanoi. How many months? Was it a year later About or 18 something? months later. I didn't have... I didn't... I didn't have the I didn't have the voucher. I threw the voucher away, but I was like at that point I was like I probably should have just pulled the trigger and I didn't. And again, I'm I got more regret there too. You had an opportunity to right the wrong, right? You had to yeah. be like, "Okay, I should have done this and I should have put a stamp on something that would have just delivered on that night and that first week." Well, and it was also like the last week of kind of my travels before going back to Denver and, and starting work, starting to work and like move See, forward in that direction. It would have been, been an amazing bookend. bookends. Yes. It would have been the sickest bookends. And I, well, I think also to be fair, we hardly had any time. Right. I'm Googling flights to Hanoi. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> can't we're get gonna, in, but we're going to find a way. <laughs> we're going to crowdsource uh, the funding. A million dong. <laughs> so guys, we're going to need a million dong. And uh, we're also going to need our uh, our flights paid for too. I'm going to uh, say, if you guys can do that say, for us, that'd be yeah. great. Squarespace, come on through. Um, well, yeah, that's enough for my Abe Lincoln. But um, yeah, one thing I'm going to say, last thing I'm going to say is, what's the line on something like this? You know, like, do you try opium in Laos? No. You know, like, no. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, is like, you got to shitty tattoo is the line. Your, you got to, yeah, you got to operate within your comfort zone, which I think I did. Um, and now I feel like my, you know, your comfort zone continues to push forward and, and move sure. and move back and forth throughout your travels in, and on different capacities. But, but this, yeah, I, I think if I can jump in here real quick, I think this is the cool thing about us talking about this and about traveling is like, you're always reestablishing your line and you're finding where, mm -hmm. where, where it was and, and kind of it's moving and changing as you grow and as you evolve. In 10 years, maybe I'd be like, fuck no, I'm not getting a shitty tattoo in Vietnam, right? But for yeah, the last yeah. 25 years, I'd be like, sign me up, you know? So yeah, maybe my sick. line changes back back again. I I had I had something like this. I was in Brazil, just so you're not alone on an island. My first place, uh, first country I ever went to alone was Brazil. I studied abroad in Spain, but like where I went as an adult out of college, I went to Brazil. And I was there for three months. Um, I was supposed to leave to go to Chile. I didn't want to go to Chile. I called my dad and kind of told him, hey, I, I don't really want to go. And he's like, you booked the flight. Fucking make it happen. You know, that's what you're going to do. That's what you plan to do. Do it. And I was like, yeah, you know, all right, I guess he's right. And I didn't do it. And I didn't stay in Rio where my heart was. And I knew where I wanted to stay. And I went to Chile. And it, and it fucking sucked. And I have a story about that later. So we'll get into it. But you weren't alone. I also did the same thing. I phoned a, I phoned a family member. And uh, yeah, I also regret that. So. The one last thing I'm going to say is I don't know, but I think I probably would have offered you that million dong voucher as a tattoo. It, and I would have gotten meow on my butt. <laughs> I straight right, well, up. Fair play. We'll I straight up. The, the, meow, the meow is where it's at. In Rope Pride's world tour is going back. Um, so, Brad, what is your Thomas Jefferson of travel regret on Mount Rushmore? Am I Jefferson? Did I, yeah. Do I have to be Jefferson? All right. Yeah, it's kind of a, of the four. It's probably the lamest. Yeah, fair to say it is. He did a lot for the country, but like you know, doesn't have He's the also same a slaveholder. I mean, didn't cross the. He didn't end the Civil War. No, he didn't cross the Potomac. He didn't fucking ride a horse and go into battle. Yep. So he, I, yeah. See, this is what happens when I don't, when I, when I miss out in the podcast planning. You assign me Thomas Jefferson. Uh, I'm gonna take everybody to Sikkim, India, and Mount. I'm gonna try to get this right. Kang Sinjunga, the third highest peak in the world. So I imagine a lot of you aren't familiar with Sikkim, India. Sikkim, India is in the northeast corner. It's like this little wart on the top east corner of India, which is a giant country. The official language is actually Nepali. Doesn't feel like India at all. Um, there's a ton of like 
Nepalese, obviously, and uh, Bangladesh immigrants. Like and, right in there, yeah. And expats. Yeah, it's like, it's just up there. It's in the Himalaya. So yeah, it's 2012. I flew to India to do some yoga. And I said, all right, let's do some badass shit too. I was strong. I was still young. And I was like, I want to do something that pushes my limits. So flew all the way there, big flight, big bus ride into the Himalayas. I show up into Gangtuk, which is the capital of the state of Sikkim. And somebody tells me that there was recently a 7.8 earthquake, like two months before. And a lot of the infrastructure and what was happening in India, in that part of India was not well. And I go, Brad, research, (laughs) research, (laughs) research. I wasn't up on my current affairs, obviously, and it just wasn't a great intro to the trip. So I say, fuck it. I'd still done other research. I knew that to get where I wanted to go, it was going to be like another nine hours in a Jeep. I need to book in with another group because I was solo. They didn't let anybody solo hike. And so I kind of all nailed that all down. And I get to the base camp before this base camp, this little outpost to then hike to the base camp of the third highest peak in the world. And that's where I was like, Brad, you're going to become a a travel man. (laughs) And um, I got there. Of course, nobody was there because there was a massive earthquake and it was just me. And the travel outfit I went to book through said, hey, you can go, but we're going to ask you to forge these travel documents that say you're hiking with two other hikers. Okay, we're going to send it off. You're going to pay for it. and It's going to come back. And when they don't, quote unquote, show up, we're going to send you off to hike into the wilderness for 10 days by yourself. And I was like, yeah, sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so I pay the guy the money and then I wait. I have three days to wait for this certificate or this approval from the local government. And as I'm waiting, the thoughts creep in, the fear creeps in. And I go, what am I doing? Is it just me? Like, I'm not a hiker, blah, 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 blah. And it just grows and grows and grows and crescendos. And just before this trip, I had read John Krakauer's Into Thin Air, which is the book about um, the disastrous trip up to Everest. Nate, do you know the year that was? No. Anyways, uh, it was in the 90s. And uh, yeah, it was one of the deadliest days, if not the deadliest day on Everest. And in this book, I'm paraphrasing, but that in order to succeed in summoning Everest, one must be exceedingly driven. But if you are too driven, you are likely to die. The greatest, thus gravest mistake is not knowing when to turn back. And then you were like, I should probably turn back. And I go, that's me. I should turn back. I fucked up. What have I done? So sure enough, the night before I talked myself out of it, go into this guy's office. And I was like, I just need one more sign like to tell me that I'm right. And I went to the office, a guy has like a sack of potatoes and other like vegetables. And he hands it to what looks like an 18 year old. This guy, no facial hair. And then I look outside and there's like a donkey with like a 70 year old dude standing next to it. And he's like, yeah, those are the people you're gonna hike with. And I was like, nah, I was like, nah, bro, that is not happening. And so that was it. I canceled the trip. The guy was fucking pissed. Police officers got involved. He tried to steal some money. And it just it just got crazy after that. But I balked. Uh, I think I got overcome by fear. I went 36 hours, like three days of traveling into like the fucking depths of the Himalayas there in northeast India. And I just fucking parachuted out, ejected out. So why, why do you regret it? And what do you wish would have happened? Well... I was 30. I was in great shape. Like I said, I had made it all the way out there. I feel like those are all the hard ones. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I am 40 now. I'm not sitting in the back of a fucking Jeep for nine hours that has no shocks. You know what I mean? As yeah. we go through dirt and dirt and rock roads, the backwoods of India, like I'm not doing that anymore. And that's just kind of off the table for me. So that's that's one of the things. The tailbone's like, had enough. It's yeah. like that window is kind of closed. Two, I think the thing was just like, it's fear, like an emotion. I've been meditating a lot on fear recently, and that's not like some humble humble brag or uh, something I got by watching Goop um, (laughs) or reading a Goop blog post. I've actually been meditating like every day for like the last like six, seven months, and I've become more in touch with how big a presence anxiety and fear and stuff has played a role in my life. So I've looked back at some of these things. I look back at that experience and I'm like, 
I rationalized it with all these stories and all this like playing mm -hmm. it safe and yeah, you could have died and blah, 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 blah. And not even sure that that was right. And I think it yeah. just might've been bullshit. I can't remember thinking critically, like making a list of like what I needed to do, the distance, the objective, my stamina, my preparation and putting that against the worst of things, you know? Yeah. I didn't even get that far. I just let the tsunami of like fear kind of take me over and defeat me. That fucking, it's kind of kicking a dick now. Who knows? That could have launched a new chapter in travel for me. To go I and could, do those things. I could yeah. have started, if I had done that and I'd come back, I'd be like, I fucking walked out there with a 70 year old, a donkey and a fucking teenager who didn't speak English. It's a English. great dirty joke, yeah. And I, and I came back from the third, from the base of the third highest peak in the Himalayas fucking suck it like you don't have that story none of you have that story in your bag yeah. come at me there's a lot of ego in that statement but imagine the sense of confidence and the accomplishment just to like suck it up granted i could have fucking broken my ankle and been stuck a hundred miles you know in the himalayas but that would have gone be a better story and army <laughs> crawled up and got dragged by a donkey the whole way but yeah, you, i never you, gave myself any of that chance you know the opportunity i gave myself i gave my opportunity to fucking do what i've always done get yeah. the bus go home go back to gang tuck drink beer get drunk and write a fucking blog post about it or tell you guys about it now so anyway that's I, it i think i think what i was going to say is is you talked you mentioned something there and i think there is a feeling what you were experiencing there the holy shit what am i getting myself into i i kind of touching on what you're saying there it's like there there's hiking i did on Knowles where it was five of us and we just went off without any instructors for seven days and right before that you're kind of like holy shit and there's yeah. moments like that where you're like wow but you come out of that all the biggest like growth experiences start with that feeling yeah absolutely. and so yeah, there's been probably four, five, six times in my life where I've had that feeling, and it's just it's super uncomfy. A lot of times there's no there was no way for me to back out. So you you, you were with other yourself. people, you had a team, with other or people, a or or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. even even by myself. I think you know there's there's been times like that, but it's kind of like either I've paid paid the money and I go oh I can't get that money back, so <laughs> I might as well just go do it. You know when we watch all these movies that we kind of talk about, and we've referenced. Mm -hmm hiking adventure or stuff like that it feels like all these guys at one point make that decision just to walk yeah. out into the void by themselves or by somebody's the said, journey yeah hey we're just gonna we're just gonna walk out and roll the dice and hope it comes back <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> so all right let's um let's switch it up nate you have one of my favorite presidents in u.s history not necessarily for his policy but just for his image and persona mm. nate you have Teddy Roosevelt. What is your Teddy Roosevelt of regret? Travel My regret. Teddy Roosevelt of regret, which I think is a bigger, uh, bigger one than the last, is I regret how I did the Mongol rally. If you're new to the pod, uh, the Mongol rally is something I did in the summer of 2018 with my friends, uh, same same friends that cheered me on getting the tattoo. I drove or a car not from getting a tattoo of not getting a tattoo. <laughs> I drove a car from Holland to Mongolia over the course of 55 days through 70, 17 countries and through Central Asia and countries I didn't know existed. So what is it about this epic adventure that I regret now at uh, 27 later in the game, four years later? We got into this pattern of party late, sleep in, go fix the car, leave at like two or three, and then drive eight to 10 to 12 hours at night. And then we'd sleep in or party or then do it all again. And it just became this five week span of complete chaos. There wasn't much deliberate going on. It was all reaction. We were just waking up, pointing the car east and seeing what happened. And that is beautiful in its own way. Mm -hmm. But my regret is we missed so much cultural landmarks and drove through some of the most beautiful corners of the world through the dead of night. Yeah, We drove through like the heart of the coolest part of Kyrgyzstan at night, twice. It was like, we didn't even do it <laughs> once. We did it twice. We didn't learn from our mistake. So, so I shouldn't of, get, so I shouldn't get Kyrgyzstan recommendations from you. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, oh, that place is great. It is dark, bro. Real dark. Um, but you know, when you like wake up on Sunday after like a 36 hour bender and you realize like, I have not done anything for myself in the last two days. Yes. I know that. And you just got lost in the sauce. Yeah. It's like that, but on the biggest trip of your life and there's no next weekend. So you can see how much regret you could have if that kind of multi if you do that multiplication in your head. Yeah, it grows exponentially. Especially now, as Russia will be a complete shit show for the foreseeable future, and as parts of the Middle East become more and more unstable, 
I feel like I squandered a once in a life opportunity in some of these countries I'll probably never have the chance to go back to. Wow. And so, I mean, I think at the crux of it, we didn't really bother like learning the history. We didn't make deliberate choices on what we ate. And we sure as shit didn't learn any of the words in the local language. To kind of sum it all up, we became, or mainly I became, the drunk, senseless American that we on this podcast talk, talk shit, shit about, about and despise. Yep. Wow. Happens to the best of us, Nate. <laughs> yeah. But we all when have you, our moments. When you, when you put that, I didn't know you were going there when you, but it's obvious, obviously considering the state of affairs, but when you put it into the lens and the perspective of what's happening now over there, yeah, like, fuck, are they, they're probably not even going to have the Mongol rally this year. Yeah, they're they're talking about, I actually was just on the page um, a few hours ago and they're like, what are we going to do next? And they're like, drive to South Africa or like, you can drive to Turkey and Georgia, but that's it. So I think that's the kind of thing that, Savor that shit. When you go on a trip, yeah, you, that's ah, the you, back, you never shit. know. You never know yeah. what's going to happen. And I think it, it just kind of how I look at it is you made this analogy that like it's like a guy at a buffet who has one bite of every single dish. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, we you know, we had, we had amazing experiences and I had more bites in, in some countries than others. But it's like we went through Uzbekistan in three days and two nights and – I mean, that's a big country and it's like so much of that shit's like 400 AD, you know, or older than that. It's, it's ancient stuff. And we just kind of like, all right, cool. There's something pop back in the car. Mm, it's nighttime, right? Keep going at. And so well, that, was, that was a pretty high octane um, impression there. But I think that's what I would do differently is really be deliberate about waking up on time and seeing things in the light of day and saying, okay, this country, this is what makes the Uzbek people different. And why is this country why did the, you know, when, when the Soviet Union dissolved, why is this country here and this one's here? Um, I really regret not doing that. And also, yeah, I missed a lot of beautiful things because we just drove in the middle of the night. A lot of people can relate from what they've did in their 20s and 30s. You know, how many people chose, you know, what you described to me, I don't think you articulated to um, the listeners that well as y'all were partying, getting smashed every night. You kind of got sucked into this group drink you know, which we all do. And everybody's just kind of getting smashed, mm -hmm. partying with other dry, you know, people in the, in the rally, waking up hungover, not getting out of town until two, 3 PM in the afternoon. That basically sounds like every Sunday morning for me yeah. <laughs> in my twenties, you know, when I woke up and I had the promise to do something, you know, with a Sunday and it just was spent on the couch watching TV hungover or something like that. But you were going across some of the most like rare, beautiful, yeah to you foreign landscapes that you might ever see in your life and um yeah that's a big one but yeah. to come to your defense a little bit i'm like a belly up at the bar talk to locals party drink all night hear stories make a few stories have some laughs that's where i love being in like a city right yeah. who did i reference before oh my god why can't i the famous author who have I mentioned before? Uh, Ernest Hemingway it was the best way to experience a country is to spend a night in his bars. So to come to your defense, like you were doing that, you guys were hopefully like meeting people yeah, along yeah. the way and having good times and yeah. Right. I mean, there, there's definitely good stories in there where it's like, you know, we got ripped with these guys in Azerbaijan and they served us goat balls. And then the next like five nights later, we were, having this guy in um, Turkmenistan where the guy's like just had his fourth child and we're, we're celebrating with his close friends. So, I mean, there is like, there you're are moments like that. And you're not going to yeah. get that at like two o'clock in the afternoon. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think, and I think, you know, as if, if I look back and wise and say exactly, or how has, how have I changed or have I, have I tweaked my travel? I think there's a time and a place for both. When there's places where you're going to spend two nights in a place, you can get fucked up the first night enjoy the place the second night and then still be able be on your way the third day. And when I went to Portugal this year, I feel like that's, I kind of had the ability, especially by yourself to go out and knock it out of the park of, of what I really wanted to do. Um, but I think, I think the problem is, is like 60 and I don't know the exact ratio here or the metric, but about 60 to 70% of those nights where you go out hoping to like create some magic or fall into this beautiful experience of locals, and they take you in and it becomes this great story. Like 67% of the time, none of that happens. You just yeah. wake up, you drank with the people you came with, you wake up with a fucking gnarly hangover and that's it. But uh -huh. 
that one or two times where it does happen, and if you're not out, you don't experience like the craziest night on the trip. Whoa, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to to sit out. You know. Are you bringing up the fact that I I missed the best night, the best party night of the trip, uh, because I wanted to wake up the next morning and see Kyrgyzstan in the light of day? Uh, yeah, I basically went up and I basically was writing. Um, this is really embarrassing. I was writing posts for Instagram, but it's kind of more like a journal for me. And I missed the night where this guy don't got up. Quali- don't qualify Instagram. <sighs> but this just, guy pulled a gun. Let, just let the regret come out, Nate. Yeah, this guy, this guy pulled a gun on my friends, and they were like, my friends got their tires fixed at the shop of a former heavyweight boxer of Kyrgyzstan, and was like, if anyone bothers you, show them this picture. So they show him the picture. These guys pull the gun away and bought him drinks for the rest of the night. And I was like, Holy that's shit. so fucking sick. But everyone else was like, that was probably one of the worst hangovers I saw of, of Frank and Tomas and them um, on the whole trip. So... Uh, it's tough because I think you know there's there's regret within regret, right? Because you, you missed can't have the it both bailed ways. out. You missed the gun pulled on you, bailed out of a fight because you had a picture of the heavyweight champion of Kyrgyzstan in your pocket. Yeah, what a travel story. Yeah, I missed it because I was up trying to get a good night's rest. Um, but I, you know, I think you live and you learn, and hopefully, hoping that there's peace at some point where we can get back in there and I can do things my own way in my thirties and. Make it my own and and make up for my mistakes. So on that note, what is your last one? What is your George Washington, your G Dub on Mount Rushmore of travel regret? That's a this is a lot of pressure. The George Washington, yeah, the OG <laughs> first one, A one that, pick. That's the triple OG. Well, it's not a shocker, guys. Uh, this one's coming back to to women and love, which I feel like is a reoccurring theme for me. So I'm going to set the table for you guys. This is Chile 2006. I had just left Rio de Janeiro where I was having the time of my life. I landed in Santiago in Chile, a place I didn't necessarily wanted to be, want to be. And basically, I ended up being miserable. Shocker. Broke. I was depressed. Nothing seemed to be working out. I went there to get a job. The job didn't work out. I was basically, I didn't know it yet, but I was basically just a couple days away from pulling the plug and going home and just hitting eject. I have never bailed on a trip before or since to let you guys know how like how deep <laughs> dark how of a bleak well this was, yeah. Of regret I was in. I have never bailed. I've never ejected on a trip before. And here I was about to push the button. And so that's where I was. That's what headspace I was. And you know what, Nate? I said, I'm gonna put on my best t-shirt. I'm going to put on these fresh-ass Nikes I just bought. I had some retail therapy going on, and I'm going to comb my hair. I might put some product in it, and I walked out the hostel onto the main street. And we're in downtown Santiago de Chile. It is just hustle and bustle. Hustle and bustle, just people going everywhere. And I walk out, and I hang a left with the most confidence a miserable, depressed American can muster up in a foreign town. And I was like, all right, I got to go to the grocery store. That was like the height of my day. I was like, I'm going to go buy some food. And so, you know, sometimes you just, that's what you got to do. You got to rile yourself to go get some food. So I'm going out, I'm walking. I got my head down. And as I'm walking, I kind of just look up. And as I look up in this sea of people like rushing past me, I lock eyes with this girl. And it was like, um, what do they call it? Thunderstruck or something like that? It just felt like a bolt of energy flashed between us. I did a double take. I was like, did I just feel that? I think I just felt that. And so I looked back to see if she just, she also felt that. And she looked back too. So I, I don't know where I was. I don't know what my head was doing, but I just felt something I never felt before. So I take a couple more steps. I look back again for the third time. She's looking back for the third time, but she's still walking like I'm still walking. And I was like, oh, God, I look back, you know, and I was like, what's like, what's going on here? She can't look back a fourth time. And we both keep walking. And I look back a fourth time. Sure enough, she's looking back a fourth time. But at this point, we're like 40 feet away. And I just stop and I turn around. She turns her head. She keeps walking. And I just stand there and I just let her walk away. Wow. That's the story. You regret not knowing what could have happened. You regret not going and talking to her. You regret not chatting her up. Now I feel like I'm on a fucking therapy couch. <laughs> Again, kind of like the never bailing on a trip or before or since. I've never felt that before or since. I've never had one of those like interactions with a stranger where you felt like there was this 
cosmic force that just rippled through the between the two of you and shifted reality. It was like I had seen somebody that I had known before, is what it felt like. But I, of course, I didn't know her for Adam. Do you remember her face to this day? Like, no, as you're telling the story. No, I don't remember what she looks like. I know she, I remember she was easy on the eyes. And it was somebody that I would have been yeah, attracted no to. Shit. <laughs> Shocker. But it had but it didn't Brad, even have she's anything. not gonna feel the cosmic energy with anyone. <laughs> it wasn't that convenient. Mm. And that's why I'm not like I wouldn't regret just like walking by a hot person, you know? This was something like it was a lightning bolt of again, it was like I felt like I knew them or that there was just something I couldn't explain. And I couldn't get over the fact that we'd Still can't get over the fact that we had looked back at each other at the exact same time, four times in a row. The regret is that I just stood there, obviously, and didn't answer the call that was pretty clear inside of me was like, hey, this is real, or at least explore this, honor yourself enough to be embarrassed or do something out of the box or be, I would never, I don't go up to strangers Really, yeah. right? Or go up to like sh- girls, like uh, random girls at a bar. And do you think she knew? Do you think she knew you were American? I don't know. I certainly had that going there. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I never experienced this before, but I'd gotten followed by, I got followed around a grocery store by people who were gawking at me, and I got followed around by some schoolgirls who were gawking at me because I had blonde hair and blue eyes, which isn't that common in that part of the world. Yeah. You'll get in Argentina and everything, but uh, in Chile, it's like a big Andean influence, um, darker Mm -hmm. skin, rounder faces. Um, You actually have a lot of people who dye their hair um, blonde or lighter colors, so they kind of look more Western. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. Maybe she did. It doesn't fucking matter. What matters is what I like me just standing there and not giving myself the opportunity. She, she, I could have ran down that crowded busy bustling street and pushed my way through people and grabbed her hand and she could have fucking slapped me and i still i would have been happier with ran that away from you yeah yeah i would have been happy she could have been like you creep and i could have misread the situation which is you know i'm a romantic a helpless romantic i still could be making all this up in my head you know it does sound like a good story but i don't know there's part of me that just trusts I don't know, some kind of instinct or feeling I had. Yeah. And I've heard other people recount and tell stories like this before where they've crossed a stranger at a time and something just felt like like it belonged, right? And that's kind of mm-hmm. what I felt. And so yeah, that's what, I think that's what matters. There's two ways this could have gone, right? It could have been, you know, well, three ways. You could have been, you know, married now, not on this podcast because you got five little kids running around. Um, speak terrible to, Chilean Spanish. And then, you know, you could have had met, had a good time and then left, you know, before sunrise type of vibes. And then that's what I'm know. saying. But what if, what if she kept me in Chile? What if I met her and said, now I have a reason to stay. And then my dad was right to tell me to go to Santiago and that the fate cosmic waves made this all unravel and boom, I was supposed to be there and meet her. And then but you didn't. rocket ship. Dang. That gets even, I mean, th- then at that point, I can completely, I'm, I'm almost feel bad for you. That That's a real big regret there, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, who knows? Yeah. I, I well, don't know. I, I, I think I, w- I was telling you, it's like, you know, there's a lot of movies where it's like the movie ends. I always mention um, uh, The Graduate, where the movie could have ended where they're like run off into the sunset together. But, you know, then there's like the 30 seconds at the very end where Sound of Silence comes on. And it's like, oh, shit, what we get ourselves into. And there's the kind of the idea of, hey, you know what? this movie this like this idea we buy into isn't perfect but it also yeah. could be so yeah all right well let's get to our on-trail banger we're no longer doing our off-trail destination it's after the pandemic and we're going back to the surefire bangers if travel is live music then we're not looking for those b-sides from a 2007 album we're looking for the festival set one hour of pure Bangers. Bangers. From the best of the best. So what banger? Where are we going to this week, Brad? Uh, We're going to a place I have a lot of history in. Um, Some regrets, for sure, to revisit the theme. It was also one of the first European cities I experienced on my own. So, Nate, let's blast off to Barcelona. 
Spain. Barcelona. Barcelona. <clears throat> Every 21-year-old girl coming back from abroad saying, Barcelona. But this one's for you. Yeah, I was in Barcelona. If you're European in your 20s, like Nate said, and you don't move to Berlin, you move to Barcelona. Barcelona is a cultural hive. It's the beach plus superior nightlife <coughs> with the laid back vibe you'd expect from Spain. It's smart with a robust tech industry, but it's not overly pretentious like, say, San Francisco or Paris, um, if we're staying in Europe. It's accessible, which is what I really like about it. It's easy, easy to get around, walk around, metro, bus, scooter, um, but has a lot of hidden gems so that you can escape the, trush, the crush of tourists, excuse me, when you need to, because you will need to. So let's start there with an off-the-tourist-path gym. Nate, what you got for us to start us off? Well, first of all, just excited to get the boots on the ground in this uh, magic city here. So um, <laughs> I'm going to start us off here uh, in a neighborhood that's rattling my cage called Poblenou. Poblenou. Did I pronounce that right? Poblenou. Poblenou. This neighborhood has taken old factories and has gone off the fucking architectural rails with new futuristic buildings. In the middle of all this transformation is the Palo Market Fest, which is the first weekend of every month with an eclectic mix of food vendors, vintage clothing, live music, and art. In these old European bangers. cities, Brad... <laughs> bangers, bang! In these old European cities, I feel like there's not enough... So, so many of them are living in the past. That being said, this new culture also has some old tricks. Oh. In the dirty little secret of Barcelona <laughs> is that the beaches suck, but... The best of the best in Barcelona is located adjacent to Poblenau in Bogotel. Best sand, best water, and dare I say, best vibes, Brad? Yeah, I would agree. Bogotel's got the goods. It's just, yeah, it's clean sand without a lot of homeless people, and the water's a lot cleaner too, so. Bang, that's it right there. Bang. Uh, all right, well, I'll stay. I'll join you on the off-the-beaten off path vein. I want to take you guys to... What I consider one of the best sunset spots in Barcelona. Nate, you mentioned this. A lot of people end up at Park Guell for sunset, and you definitely should end up there too. But literally everybody will be there with you. So if you kind of want to zig or find a contemporary zag, my second choice for the best sunset in Barcelona is a place called The Bunkers. It's this... It is what it is. It's old bunkers, military bunkers from the Spanish Civil War. Became more, it became accessible, excuse me, to the public in 2011. Naturally, since then, it's been covered with graffiti, as like most things have. Most things have in the Any last sick 15. sunset spot does. What you do is you climb up there. There's people selling beers or bring your own beers. There's a lot of hash smoke up there. Somebody's probably playing a guitar. Um, and I think best of all, it's just free. Your work of a sweat walking up there, but easily hands down some of the best views in Barcelona. Did we say that every time every time we use the word vibe, you guys have to drink at home? So yeah, it's that yeah. vibe that you new, want. Drink. <laughs> new, new game, yeah. Well, um, speaking of vibe, I think uh, you know we did kind of shit on the beaches there, but I yeah, I'm trying to before we get really deep into into Barcelona, which I you know I think someone who has spent as much time there as you have and our boy Nander. A friend, dear friend of the pod, Nander. Shout out, Nander. You know, thinking about some alternatives there, I've spent some time a bit north of the city, and any good city is going to have the ability to go get out and kind of have those nice hidden gems or nice places around uh, the city. And so north, there are plenty of beaches uh, that are actually absolute fire. So um, I can't speak part of the South, but my sister and I drove around, and we ripped around from Cove to Castle to freaking sick little Mediterranean looking towns bopping around eating swimming it was January but it was cold as fuck but it was fine and we were bopping but it was an absolute really nice change of pace to the actual city of Barcelona the places we were were the, the castle was in Begur I'm probably pronouncing that wrong and then we went from Fonda to Agua Freda again I know that the Catalonian pr pronunciation is going to absolutely murder me on this but I will say getting north of there was a really nice change of pace if you're trying to get out of the city. Yeah, I think I'd just add to that that it's super accessible. Trains leave from Barcelona either north or south down the coast. You can make a day trip out of it. This is something where if you don't stay up till 6 a.m. in the morning partying, 
you wake up at eight, catch the train north, catch the train south, spend a day at the beach, and then take the train back. Don't make the same mistake I did. (laughs) uh, Boom, be done with it. I have been to the south, unlike Nate and his sister. There's a town to the south called Sitges. It's incredibly popular with people from Barcelona and tourists. I know we don't get into the LGBT world or space at all because I'm not incredibly familiar with it, but I would add that it is uh, also very popular with the with that community. So yeah. Anyways, that's out there. That's Sea Chase, and that's the coast from Barcelona. You can you can go deeper and deeper, three, four, five hours up the coast to find some really beautiful spots. But that's you know we're in Barcelona, so let's stay in Barcelona. Let's come back to Barcelona. And with that, I want to take us. We haven't done this before. I am going to quickly try to do like my dream day in Barcelona. Brad's perfect day. Nate alluded to it. I've spent. I've been there three or four times, and the last time I spent about three months there. I wouldn't say I was living there, but I was, you know, you guys know I was living there. Um, And so basically, if it's a Saturday and you were with me, dear listener, this is what we would do. We'd wake up, like I said, hopefully at 8 or 9 o'clock. We didn't stay out at the clubs till 5 a.m., We'd grab some beers, we'd grab some snacks, and we'd go to Bogotel Beach. We'd spend the morning there, lunch as well, lounge at some of the beach bars, people watch, and maybe hit up the market Nate talked about. Eventually, make your way back to central Barcelona and spend the afternoon shopping. Where I would do this is in the neighborhood called Bourne or in Gothic neighborhood. As far as shopping is concerned, it's flagship stores, museums, like vintage shops, it's a labyrinth of cool and creativity. And I think that's why you go to Europe. And so, so more than just the shopping, it's about strolling. It's about... It's, there's a buzz that you can't get here. Yeah. So do that. Shops close about 8 p.m. Head back to the hotel. Take a power nap, right? Wake up around 10 o'clock, then go to dinner. If you guys aren't familiar, again, Spain, a lot of places in Europe, dinner starts at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Get your dinner in. Let that spill into drinks. As far as drinking is concerned, I'd head to like a local neighborhood called Gracia and get after it with the locals. After that, then it's fair game. Super clubs. Super. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Drugs and super clubs till six or seven in the morning. I don't live that life. I will tell you right now that in Barcelona, I think I passed out about like one o'clock, two o'clock every night. I'm just not built like that anymore. So that's it. That's my 24 hours in Barcelona. More of a how to experience it than like what to do, specifically what to see. If you follow that path, things will open up for you. Restaurants, bars, people, sounds, Mm -hmm. and then just be drawn to whatever catches your eye. But I've tried to put you in locations and in spaces that'll set you up to succeed. You've set set your partner up for success here. So let's let's talk about the when, the, the when, the why, the how. Okay. What do you got on any of that? I, we didn't compare well, our research. Would um... I think the big the big thing to note is the time to go. I mean, sure. I think the big month to avoid is August because that's when everyone leaves Barcelona and it just is a ghost town. And I'm not going to Barcelona to hang out with Americans, right? No. That's why I want to go when there's the fucking locals and when I can get ripped with Ingrassia with the locals, as you mentioned here. Um, but yeah, September, October, great fucking shoulder season. Yep, you're um, right. On June 24th, I, I, that was the day I was there. Um, that was really specific. I don't think I've been like, oh, well, June 24th. Everybody um, should but, go on June 24th but because it's, I had um, a good time there. That yeah, see, it's St. John's Day, which is kind of like fire, uh, 4th of July, which is like fireworks and partying on the beach. Okay, and cool. There was, a different, there was a different energy there that I really appreciated. But um, yeah, anything else to add? Let's just blaze through some of the specifics. Uh, guys, get out your pens and pencils. I would stay in the Bourne neighborhood by Citadella Park. It's just, it lands you right in the middle of everything. Google it. I would not stay near La Rambla. That's just tourist madness. Pictures on menus, bad shit. Yeah, high price, everything. And yeah, something I'll get into here in a second. You might have noticed we didn't mention the Beyonce of Barcelona tourism. And that would be what, Nate? The Sagrada Familia. The Sagrada Familia Cathedral. Absolute classic. Just architectural marvel. My tip on that real quick is book in advance. I would aim to book or get there before sunset, just before sunset, because as the sun lowers west, 
it shoots through the cathedral and spills this like kaleidoscope of colors across the interior. What do you call the interior of a church or like a cathedral? God's landing. (laughs) Sounds great. Anyways, last little quick hits. Petty crime is rampant in Barcelona. Nick bags, cell phones stolen off of tables. No one's going to stick you up and rob you. They're just going to catch you when you're not looking. So I'd keep that in mind. My favorite bar in Barcelona is a place called Guzo Gastro Pub. It's live music, pretty people. Man, Nate, this is... This is the place Absolute to see. Spot of all spots. Be, oh, it's the spot of all spots. I don't, part of me doesn't even want to say it on the podcast, but. Do you think that'd be a good place to wear a fresh white t-shirt with fresh kicks and put on a little hair gel? Yeah, for sure. For sure. In you 2000, know, you, you in might two, strike it lucky. In no more regrets anymore. 2006, definitely. Other quick hits. I mean, it's food. Like, it's, it's the reason you go to Europe, right? And mm-hmm. Barcelona provides all of it. It's got amazing food. Great people watching, incredible diversity. What am I missing? Just uh, go and vibe. Yeah, just go <laughs> drink. All right, that's that does it. We're gonna get out of here. We're pushing. Um, we're pushing the minutes on this one. It's, I guess the last thing to mention here is it's not bullfighting. It's not sangria. It's not flamenco. Like that's not this part of Spain. Barcelona and Catalonia, the state that it's in, is a completely own culture yeah it's own culture it's own language and um that's that there's also a pretty good soccer team there that nate's jazzed about um yeah well we won't get into it because they're pretty shitty right now but um yeah i think you know i I only spent a handful of days there not as much time as brad but um i I think it's one of those cities that you can always go back to and there's always something else to do and always something else to see but i think what you're saying is if if 20 year old europeans are going there to live they might be doing, they might be on to something. <laughs> uh, for, so with that, feels, yeah. And can I, but can I hammer that home? Like it feels like a cultural moment for Barcelona. And that's mm. why we chose Barcelona over Sevilla or Madrid or maybe Rome or some other big cities. Like I feel like Barcelona has been having a moment for the last like 10 to 20 years right now. If you want to have a moment to get there. So well, with that, that's a good moment to end on. <laughs> Vibe, drink. Yeah. All right, we're we're out of here. Um, this the road Fall- provides. This road provides, guys. Follow us on Instagram at the roads provides pod. Thanks for listening. Much love, Nate. Much, Much love, love Brad. We'll see you next time. This is the road provides. I'm the Elton John of fucking travel.